Do you want to be able to understand the digital and business culture in China? Are you looking to break into the Chinese market? Well, stay tuned as today's guest offers key insights that will help you. Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer, Social Media Strategist and Management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Well, Emer, happy Internet Day. Uh, there was me thinking uh, you were going to say something like happy cat day for a second. As you uh, well know, we have a cat here called George and he's a bit of a Garfield. Um, mm. He's got a mind of his own. Uh, and Just I like have his owner. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least he doesn't look like, you know, they say, yeah, you know, the way they say pets look like their owners and stuff like that. Or is it the owners look like the pets? Owners anyway. look like the pets. Uh, yeah. Um, but I was going to say, I may have to invest in something that not only works for cats, but dogs too, there, I've been looking at a few things. All right. Well, Emer, you know me, I'm not really a lover of cats. Give mm-hmm. me a dog any day of the week, along with some metal shoes that are chew proof. But before I continue okay. to bark up that tree, it's now time for... Yes, thank God. It's Emer's experiences before you go on. The good, the bad and the ugly. Tips, questions and even the odd quiz. I've yet to do a quiz, actually. Um, But anyway, um, with the C word almost upon us, I know Halloween's in a couple of days. Oh, oh. Oh, yo, yo, yo. (laughs) And I heard about this gadget um, for all parts. Pet lovers out there. Or so, pot lovers. Pot Is lovers, pet pot lovers. lovers. <laughs> <laughs> pot lovers. I don't do dishes. Um, it's called the uh, uh, Enabot Indoor Pet Camera. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't actually. No. Okay. You, it actually does the whole house uh, with a moving monitor uh, with audio and night vision. Yeah. Right. Um, so basically, it's a smart Wi-Fi camera home wireless mini camera robot see Tech. for to keep a track on what your pet is doing is it yeah you know and you're always on about the dogs so yeah. um you can remotely control the direction and speed of the moving camera via an app and right. you can check out the situation home when you're not there if you ever leave home um or capture every wonderful moment of your cat or dog when you're away because i know you miss your pets when you actually escape the house don't you i do i do and we're very lucky uh, um yeah the person that minds the kennels that mind our dogs uh yeah has actually video recording in the in the kennels really yeah. oh no, I'm just thinking, you know, when you left, leave the house and you, can't, and you want to come back and you want to make sure that the like the sofa's all in one piece, not like been ripped to bits and whatever else. I yeah, so. this actually is interesting because it has a two way conversation. I didn't know dogs right. could talk, but anyway, um, yes, it's got a one way video function and clearly visible and you can keep real time status of your house and the pets and you can communicate and interact with them with your puppy online. We're bringing our dogs into the digital arena. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I thought I might lead you to buy one. Oh, boom, boom. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, actually, I, I, you could actually have a whole host of uses where it's like, check out the kids. Are they, are they trying to nick treats from the kitchen cupboard when you're upstairs? Ooh, or recording. checking no one's 
nicking a beer. Exactly. Not that you'd find one in my fridge. (laughs) 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 Or yours is what I was like, what, iced coffees or something in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, probably zero, zero. But you know, actually what I am looking for, Emer, is a remote control poopy scooper. You know, find me one of those and I'm sold. Really? Yeah. And speaking of sold, I know I'm still trying to sell you the best part of the show. No, no, we just did that. No, we didn't. (laughs) No, no, this is the one thing that makes your Friday and you know what time it is, Emer. Oh, no, it's not. Red alert! Red alert! <laughs> oh, yes, it is. It's the digital giggle. Ah, oh, I was thinking your jokes might be driving me, like they are driving me barking mad, you know, seriously. <laughs> That's two for one, Emer. I like it. I know, I know. Well, speaking of barking mad and dog jokes, you know, I thought I'd roll with it for, for today. What did the dog say when he sat on sandpaper? Uh, I, I, I have a clue. Sorry. Rough, rough. Well, all I have to say is thank Crunchy it's Friday because that means I have a whole week to wait for the next one. That was rough. Yeah, definitely. So as ever, if you find today's joke anyway engaging or roughly engaging, and would love more of them, you are in luck. You can catch Philip's previous jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping onto the Let's Get Social podcast on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, the Dublin South FM website. So as I always say, speed through the first three minutes and you'll be grand. hundred percent, 100%. So today we are joined by a special guest. We're joined by Richard Doran, who joins us today from China. With a very versatile background in different media, Richard has worked for a number of state-level and independent media companies in China, such as China Central Television, Beijing Television, and China Radio International. And Richard has worked as an educator and an educational consultant for some of China's top-level independent language institutes. Hosting the annual China Central Television English Competition and Outlook English Star of English, the National English Speaking Contest since 2002. He has a great insight into how things are media-wise in China. So without further ado, welcome Richard Doran to Let's Get a Social. Hello. Very nice to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Richard, it's great to have you on the show. But before we begin, Mm -hmm. uh, can we ask you, did the digital giggle work for you or was it all lost in translation? I have to say one of the hardest things about living in China was whether or not the digital giggle would uh, transfer. And I'm happy to say it did. I giggled (laughs) and it was digital. It it wasn't rough, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is, like, I mean... Yeah, I mean, jokes, they're, they're not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> do, the Chi- do the Chinese do jokes? Do they actually tell jokes? They, they do, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's a Chinese form of comedy uh, called uh, crosstalk. Um, and the reason it's called crosstalk is because the Chinese word for it is uh, xiangsheng, which literally means um, opposing dialogues. So it's kind of a bit like Abbott and Costello to give it some kind of ah. a frame of reference oh, for, for Western it. listeners. So a lot of puns, um, a lot of wordplay. And uh, so, so, I mean, you'd be surprised like that joke in, in Chinese would be, would, would bring the house down. That would be your closer. I think oh, I, I hear need to, Philip. I think I, I need think... to go to China and bring <laughs> yeah. this on the road, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. I just, all you need is like good two to five years really working on the Chinese. If you get down a local dialect, <laughs> even exactly. better. I'd maybe I'd specify the breed of dog if you really want to get into it. And when you talk yeah, about yeah. sandpaper, there are several options and, and we can go through them after the show. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
I could just barely speak English, Richard, and you want me to learn Chinese. Holy moly's. Um, actually, before we crack into the uh, into the questions, Richard, mm-hmm. how difficult is Chinese to learn? Like, well, it, it looks yeah. difficult. and mm. Yeah, well, it certainly can be uh, at the beginning. It, it, it's a very um, in-your-face kind of language. And yeah. the reason for that, obviously, it's not a phonetic language for one thing. So like, say, like European languages, if, you're, if you've you know, studied any foreign language in school, like French or German or Spanish even, there's, mm. there's a familiarity to the way even the strangest parts yes. of a different language make some kind of a sense. You go, oh, that's like in French when we say this, or yes. even Irish, you know, you go, oh, and that kind of makes sense. But with Chinese, it's like pictographs. I mean, you're, you're literally looking at a picture. And you're mm. saying, read this, and it's a tree. And you go, well, I don't know. Squiggle, squiggle, square, square, squiggle. I mean, how do you say that? And also, there's no alphabet, which doesn't really help. Um, I think they do that on purpose, really, to stop people wow. like me from learning the language <laughs> and becoming a household name. But anyway, wow. um, the, it's actually easier to, to speak and understand Chinese than it is to write and read. Right. So, for, for I mean, if you, for example, want to just be, you know, conversational level of Chinese, like fluent conversationally. Mm. You could do that in approximately a year with, you know, not too much uh, study. But if you really wanted to be able to read with confidence, like read mm. uh, websites, the newspaper, you know, follow things on the news or social media, mm-hmm. I'd say you'd need at least two years. I mean, if you could be in the country for a year and a half, then mm. you'd, you'd be set because obviously you're exposed to the language every day. Right. The writing maybe takes a little bit longer. There is a kind of a method to the madness. And despite not being a, you know, a phonetic language, um, the way the characters are written, there's a, there's a set order for the characters from, left, from top to bottom, left to right. Mm-hmm. And then the stroke patterns... Uh, I mean, back in the day when there was actually a physical dictionary, remember them books, kids? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. There is yeah. there is a way to to look up the words, and now of course with uh, you know with smartphones, and, and it's been that way for a long time. You can just literally take a picture of a character, and and the dictionary will tell you the sound, how it's written, and it will oh. you know, give you how you know how it can be used in in a, in a sentence. So it's uh, it's a lot easier now than it was, put it that way. It's a lot more resources wow. available. Mm. Maybe maybe at the end you can give us uh, a couple of uh, phrases to use. Um, sure, no problem. Cool, yeah, cool. even hello or goodbye or something. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but but Richard, like yep. you know, your story is so interesting. You were you know from being a bilingual presenter for China State mm-hmm. Media to where you are now mm-hmm. as a language consultant for one of China's top digital platforms. I'm not going to well. I'll try and pronounce it. Yu Zhao Pei is it? That's actually the name of my boss. No, it's uh, a. <laughs> You'll be thankful for the shout out. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Give this man a rise, you shall pay. Yeah. And then why is he still here? Why does he have an office? He was fired 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, like, tell us your story. Like, how did yeah. this all come about? Like, so. Well, basically, I mean, first of all, it's very nice to hear such a, a, a summarization of my career to date. It makes me sound like I've actually done something. My career as <laughs> guidance counselor would be very pleased. But what yeah. happened was, um, when, I, when I graduated college uh, in Ireland, um, I really didn't have a clear path of what I wanted to do in the future. The only thing I did know was that I didn't want to stay in Ireland and, and look for a job, which was handy because there weren't any jobs. So mm-hmm. I decided to go traveling. I went to Australia and I have an aunt living in Sydney. She's still there now. And whilst I was staying with her, uh, we got on really well. So well, in fact, that she asked me to move out. And I did. And it was great. <laughs> and then I moved um, to Sydney city center. Don't worry. She doesn't listen to the show. I moved to Sydney Why city not? center. <laughs> 
you know, the time difference. What you listen to the podcast? Yeah, I think it's COVID. It's Who invited you COVID. on the show, Richard? Just say COVID and move on. <laughs> okay. Ruth. Anyway, so I moved into this uh, international hostel, and the owner of the hostel was a, a Chinese entrepreneur. And uh, one day I was there, and he said, "Have you ever thought about becoming an English teacher?" Um, in China and having no real plan of what I was going to do, you know, mm. post Australia, I said, mm. no, I haven't. So why don't we do that? So myself and two fellows from the UK who are also staying in the hostel, mm-hmm. um, we, we signed this contract. I say contract. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it would hold up in court. But anyways, we went over to uh, we came over to China. We went to the northeast of China mm. in, in a place, uh, Liaoning province, which is actually on the border between uh, it's closer to North Korea. If you're looking at a map of China um, right. and so over towards the top right. So it's it's near it's near Russia and North Korea. And wow. we went from the summer in Australia where it was like 30 to 33 degrees uh, into um, sp- a very late winter in, in, in China. And so it was wow. from plus 32 to minus 22. <gasps> and Jeez. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was the first, that was the first impression of China. <laughs> it's cold and it was miserable. Um, yeah. And basically what happened was we went to this really small, uh, I say small, I mean, the population of the, of the village, uh, the town we were in is about 800,000, which in Chinese terms is considered uh, like that's their, that's their Wicklow. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just put it in perspective. <laughs> without, yeah. Without, without the views and, and, and the mm. hipsters. But uh, when I was there, I, I just really liked it because it was so different and because I, I hadn't a clue, honestly. I mean, I, I'd done very little preparation, um, which isn't something I'd recommend. Um, but because of that, I didn't have any preconceptions of what life in China could be like. So everything for me was like, oh, so this is China. So, oh, they, they this is the time of day they wake up. That was 6 a.m. And then, uh, oh, this is how cold it gets. And this is how difficult the language is. And I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of rolled with the punches, really. And I, I yeah. kind of took it in. And then I started uh, learning Chinese um, through the people I worked with, they would give mm-hmm. me some phrases. Like I'd ask, how do you say, where's the toilet? And, and then, oh, actually, where, how do I say, where's the toilet with the toilet paper? And where's the Western style toilet? So a lot of toilet related phrases. And then Jeez. after, you know, after a first few, couple of weeks, I started to ask more about the culture, like where are the shops and uh, how, mm. how come beer is cheaper than water? That kind of thing. Wow. Oh, I like the sign of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was, was on a plane with you, Richard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was, it was just like that. It was just learning phrases that I was actually mm. using every day. So I'd learn the name, for example, of a certain type of dish that I liked, mm-hmm. like say Kung Pao chicken or something like that. But in Chinese, they call it something different. And then I'd, I'd be sick of eating Kung Pao chicken every day for like three weeks. So I'd learn, mm-hmm. okay, I just say potato because <laughs> there's always something fun you can do with a potato. Yeah. And um, so, do yeah. They so have, do they I'm, have potatoes there? They do. Do they? They oh, do. Okay. They have Chinese potatoes. Yeah, tudo. <laughs> That's a potato ah. in, in Chinese. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um. So basically the first contract was for, um, I think it was three months and I was still in Australia at the time. So I, I returned uh, from China to Australia, uh, back to the hostel where I was staying before. And I did a little traveling around Australia, New Zealand. And then um, I was asked if I wanted to go back. And this time it was summer. And I said, summer, brilliant. No mm-hmm. more freezing weather for me. I'm going to just enjoy the nice sunshine. And I went back and the first day it was 36 degrees and it kept going up. Oh, I've no. never been to the sun, Jeez. but I imagine it's pretty close to what it's like. So it's like it extremes, to, extremes. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, cold, it got to, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It was up to, um, I think the hottest it ever got while I was there was about 42 degrees. Um, wow. Now, that's that's as high up as the thermometer would go. So it could have even been hotter. And the, and the, and the road temperature would be, I mean, the tarmac mm. would kind of melt. Yeah. So that's never a good sign. Wow. But it's funny when you see, uh, if you see a person's wardrobe from certain parts of China, it, actually, even if you just see the wardrobe, you can tell where they're from. So if you're from the northeast of China, so anywhere Beijing further north, and mm-hmm. um, if you could see their entire wardrobe just laid out, you'd see all the way to the left, let's represent winter that way. And you'd have your um, eider down coats that look basically like sleeping bags with with sleeves and and, and uh, kind of legs yeah. in them. Mm-hmm. And then all the way to like bikinis, uh, you know, well, wow. maybe not to wear on the street, but um, in terms of the look. extremities, yeah, <laughs> in terms of the extremities <laughs> of the, of the, uh, the clothing, because you, you yeah. just, it's like, you know, it is really from minus in certain places, it can get to minus 20 degrees. And then on the plus side, it could get up to like 38 sometimes even 40, even higher certain times. So it's good to go well prepared, as I say. Yeah, yeah. So there's a good, like if you go to Beijing, it's like there's a good two-week window um, Mm. just at the end of, maybe the end of September. The end of September, the beginning of October, it's quite nice. And then again, the other side of that would be early spring and it's beautiful. And you get all Mm. the beautiful blue sky days and the clouds Mm. and everything's lovely. And then just every other time, it's just, um, it's just torturous. But I mean, okay, it's, it's, okay. So you love it there. You love it there. Then I, I, I was going to say, as you've lived and worked in China uh, yeah. through all the kinds of seasons, yes. um, can I ask you? Um, yeah. Maybe you can share some insights into um, how things are digitally wise there. Yeah. Um, as in, uh, you had said to us before we came on um, about mm-hmm. the third-party commercial Tabo. Tabo has become oh, an, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't even even say that, like, you know, um, has an intrinsic part of modern Chinese life. Um, Absolutely. How how is that? Um, I thought Facebook was the world's largest platform. Um, Right. So basically, uh, just to briefly explain what what Taobao actually is, it's owned by a company called Alibaba. And um, uh, Ma Yun is the owner of that company. He's the CEO. Mm -hmm. And he's currently by far the richest man in China. He's also, I think, the third or fourth richest man in the world. To give you some idea of of Mm -hmm. just how successful the company is. So uh, every year on the 11th of November, they have what they call the double 11 day. Um, And it's a made up holiday by this company because the date in Chinese is Shuang Shi. So it's 1111, November 11th. Mm-hmm. And right. every year on that one day, they offer these massive discounts. So it's like Black Friday on steroids. Yes. Yeah. So ah. this, so last year, sorry, the, the statistics I have here for last year, they made $74.10 billion in one wow. day. And that's one working day. So that's from, that's wow. like 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. And that's, that's one nearly, day. That's nearly like Philip. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, mine is. Well, zero. I mean, it's only, yeah. a, it's only a day. I mean, if you give them the whole weekend, they could probably triple that, you know. But <laughs> Was that Jack but Ma's company, Alibaba? That's it, yes. Yeah, Ma, you, Jack, yeah Jack Ma, that's right. Jack that's Ma, right, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, I mean, that double 11 day, the holiday, this, the, the, the hallmark day, if you want to call it that, that's only been going now for the last, I'd say, five years or so. And wow. it's only in the last, um, I'm just looking here, from, let's see. So from 2017, they really started to, um, hit the big time with in terms of their single day revenue. So it went from, uh, let's see here, 1.68 billion. That was in 2017. Then the following year, it went to 
2.6 and then they just shot up that was 2019 and 2020 as i just said it was um it's 4.9 billion uh, chinese uh, chinese yuan which is equivalent to about 74.10 billion us dollars for that one so day. what what kind of things do they sell on that then for that well Ali, uh, the, the the website Taobao, it's known mm. as, um, in, in Chinese, they say wannong, which means it can solve Annie's problem. So it's literally anything you can think of, they sell. It's so like wish.com, I think. Uh, kind of, yeah. But yeah, I think yeah. on a much larger scale, because yeah. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen an extreme example where airline companies sell secondhand aircraft through this website because Whoa. of the digital transaction and the and and the feasibility and the accessibility that every person in China seems to have to this website and yeah. um, Basically, it, it did start off more as a kind of a, a fairly standard e-commerce platform where known brands would have their own shops. But the popularity really soared when it became more of an individual experience. So, you know, micro companies could set up like, um, you know, you, you sell silk scarves or you sell makeup or you sell, you know, trinkets for your pets, that kind of thing. You know, just random stuff. It's, it's one of the funny things about um, Taobao. It's like there's you'd be surprised at what you can find there. It's, it's frightening sometimes. And can, like, uh, do you have to be only Chinese-based business-wise to sell on that, or can you do well, it from mm. externally outside of China? Right, so there is an international version of Taobao and simply known as Taobao International, but there's a big discrepancy between um, the number of users on the international site and also the services that it can provide compared mm -hmm. to the domestic site. So one of the big differences, for example, in the domestic site is that all of payments that go through um, Taobao go through WeChat, which I'm, I'm sure you're oh, familiar yeah. with WeChat. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. WeChat is, is very much like um, just any kind of, kind of instant messenger type uh, yeah. platform and mm -hmm. um, with a big twist in that it's got the accessibility of uh, things like say um, uh, Twitch or Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. YouTube, along with financial services. So you can pay for literally anything through this. And WeChat now has developed to such an extent that it's become an intrinsic part of social life in China. The social credit scoring system, for example, which is a bit of a controversial issue in China, where citizens get points based on how much they contribute to society. So you can take from that what you will. I'm not mm. going to say anything, yeah. but there's also other aspects. Is that what I was going to say? Does that mm -hmm. mean like Philip probably got loads of points because he's actually trying yeah. to entertain people, entertain people exactly. with social media Providing, Duct, providing a service. <laughs> providing. It has to be a good service though, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, nurses, teachers. <laughs> go, Philip. You get extra points. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's what that's one aspect of of WeChat and, and payments, as I just mentioned as well, mm. uh, for personal money transfers. But okay. it, there's so much more. It, it's almost every aspect of society. I, I mean, a more modern example of it would be, um, as we mentioned just before we started at the interview today, was the um, with the ongoing coronavirus. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of restrictions in China, and it, there are, of course, the Chinese equivalent of a track and trace app, and that also goes through WeChat. So you can scan through WeChat, uh, this QR code that you normally would see outside the entrances for most commercial enterprises uh, mm. and in other things like the supermarkets, uh, you know, the wow. subway system, uh, sometimes even taxis, etc. So what you do is it scans and it can tell where you've been in the last 14 days, more specifically, <gasps> where you haven't been. For example, if you haven't right. left 
the province that you're currently in. It will show up. And if you have left it, it knows where you were and for how long you were there. So such a big brother thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's nice to know. Like a quick, quick, like I suppose. Yeah. This is a good segue, Richard. Like I suppose. For Irish business owners who are listening to today, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they could be SMEs who want to expand mm-hmm. their market or entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like regarding the culture, the the digital online culture that's in China, is there is there kind of, I suppose, key things that businesses who want to enter China mm-hmm. and get involved in the digital scene and sell, I suppose, and bring their mm-hmm. wares to mm-hmm. China, you know, what should they be be mindful of? Um, well, I think I think one of the main things to be mindful of is just how important uh, sites such as Taobao and Jmall, and I mean they're the two major ones. To be perfectly honest, I'd say the majority of, of users would go through one of the two or both, mm. um, and both are owned by Alibaba, by the way. Mm. Um, so to be to be to be aware of the popularity of these platforms, the functionality of the platforms, because they're constantly developing and updating. The feasibility, the functionality of it. One of the more recent advances in that is the live streaming and live broadcasting. So it's kind of like uh, back to the days of uh, uh, you know TV shopping, where you have a you have somebody oh, yeah. there telling you virtuous uh, this this amazing toothpaste that'll keep your teeth white and it'll make mm. your hair grow back and it'll be perfect and all that kind of stuff. Uh, these kind of live broadcasting streamings and especially around as I mentioned the Double Eleven holiday, they're extremely popular. And, and and one of the things that makes them so popular is that. Uh, the the end user can interact directly with the seller. So you can have things like you want to know more questions about the quality, delivery time, if there's any discount available for for a certain product and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So you can get a lot of information directly from the seller. So it, it really, I mean, in terms of boosting you know the accessibility to the, the the product and to your end user. It's it's second to none. So you and you could be. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say sorry. Mm-hmm. So if you could be on the plat, you could be on the platform doing the live streaming, and yes. your your uh, customers could be in China. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And you could be showcasing your latest social media jokes book. Right. For example, yeah, you could do that. Um, well, to be to be perfectly honest, when I when I talk about the live streaming, as I mentioned before, there's a big discrepancy between the international version of Taobao and the okay. domestic one. So mm-hmm. all of the functionality I'm referring to refers to the domestic one. Okay. Um, I've seen Sorry. the international one and it's quite basic uh, mm-hmm. when you see it in comparison. I mean, the international one is more like the Amazon model. Um, ah. And there are and um, there are like, uh, you know, there's a limitation on the amount of product you can get. Now, name brands, for example, you can get uh, shipped from China to pretty much anywhere in the world. And of course, there is a cost involved in that and shipping mm-hmm. fees and, and import taxes and all that kind of okay. thing. So it, it wouldn't be really on the same level for. Do you, you think know, they'll actually, would they actually think of upping the game to match the domestic one that it would allow for international um, sellers then? Well, to be perfectly honest, I don't really know if there's the motivation mm. to do it. I mean, I just mentioned one statistic from one mm. day last year, and that's yeah. 74 yeah. billion. Now, of course, you know, the the market is definitely there. I imagine, though, the the, the reality of, of making that happen is probably, you know, there's a lot of you know things that we, we are not aware of in terms of, mm. you know, 
exporting licenses and importing licenses and, and the transportation, of course, with COVID now, the restrictions on exporting must be uh, a lot stricter than before. So, mm-hmm. um, but the international website has been online for quite a number of years. And to mm-hmm. be fair, I've never really seen any major improvement on it. Like if it wasn't for the fact that, um, for example, my iPhone, I, because I got it in Ireland, when I turn it on in China, it automatically tries to link to the international one. And I have to actually select so, it, you know, I have to select China mainland because there is mm-hmm. also China, Hong Kong. There's also one from Macau and um, yeah. And, and and then they have Chinese overseas, uh, like the overseas Chinese community, which would be mm-hmm. the international one as well. Sure. So but, but for, for the Chinese citizens living outside of China, it's, it's really good because they do have access to certain types of product that uh, otherwise they wouldn't get, get uh, access to in their own countries. Actually talking to products. Um, I mm-hmm. find that really interesting what you were saying earlier. Um, that China is marketing education and skills training. I wonder they're looking yeah. for any, anyone looking for social media training. Uh, hint, hint. Anyway, um, <laughs> as luxury items, like along yes. the same lines as like Italian sports cars, designer yes. handbags, even luxury chocolate. Why would that yep. be? Like, well, education is normally seen as, you know, an essential, not a luxury. Yes. Well, the... I think that's to do with the commercial culture that has been very prevalent in China. Certainly since I've, I've been in China since to, uh, 1998. Um, Gosh, you don't look up. You don't look up. I, <laughs> it's an old picture. <laughs> um, but yes, I've been here since 1998. And really the internet in its current form really only came together, I would say, in the last maybe 15 years. Yeah. And really only in the last five years. I mean, even mm-hmm. looking at the at the figures for sales, for example, from those two websites. And mm-hmm. um, really only in the last five years, it's just exploded. So um, everything has become commercialized. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, certainly from the consumer's point of view, it's a good thing because there's more accessibility. Uh, companies have to really try and push harder and hone what it is they're trying to sell to a very specific consumer. And that includes things, as you just mentioned, education. Also, other things that you think, why would they need to? I mean, for example, uh, you know, dentistry. If you if you need to see an orthodontist, you would think, well, if I need to see an orthodontist, I'll find one. I don't need to. I'm not going to see an ad for an orthodontist and go, yeah, that's something I've always wanted to do. Get new teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it, it really is in every aspect of society. It's it's the commercialization of every industry. And education mm-hmm. isn't, uh, ex- uh, you know, excluded from that. Um, wow. And what you're seeing is uh universities and colleges all around the world advertising themselves in China in a very commercialized fashion, like the brand name Harvard, for example, or Oxford or Cambridge. I mean, there is a Cambridge press, but it's it's gone beyond that now where it's become a byword for, uh, you know, excellence. Now, Mm. whether or not that's what Cambridge wanted in the first place, it doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter because when you mention Cambridge, Harvard and Oxford, it's almost like you're not even referring to these places as real places. It's a standard. It's like saying, as I said before, yeah, exactly. It's like Lamborghini, you know, you you know what it means when you say the word Lamborghini, you know, or, Mm. or Apple. It's like Apple is a good example in terms of one of the reasons why Apple is so successful in China. Um, is down almost to the cult of Steve Jobs because in China he is seen as almost like a godlike figure in terms of marketing and um, marketing the brand of Apple as an identity rather than the product. It's mm. like when you get to that level of of excellence, it's kind of like it doesn't really matter that, you know, they keep changing the ports and, and they keep fecking around with the chargers. <laughs> yeah. and it's still just because it's Apple, you know, so. Yeah, 
exactly. Yeah. It's gone beyond that. And it's yeah. like Apple culture. And it's inspired a lot of young engineers um, mm. to create in that guise. And whatever you think about Steve Jobs as, as a man, but mm. you cannot deny the effect that he's had in China. And I think that sure. model has really extended to other industries. So yeah. getting back to education, it, it's like literally in every uh, lift in, in China, in any Lift. You see, they have first of all they have projectors that that screen ads on the doors, so you're not even allowed to have. There's a no, moment. there's no, there's, there's no, no escape. escape. <laughs> it's everywhere. You're in <laughs> you the toilet. I just want five minutes. Stop showing me a blooming ad. Like for the college. flush the toilet yeah. like an ad for you know. Why not try Andrex? <laughs> like, but yeah. it, I mean, there's ads for schools like international schools and there's online training and online mm. teaching. Now, of course, I'm not sure how much coverage this is getting in Ireland or outside of China, at least the recent uh, government policies on reducing uh, the amount of advertising going to education has had a, mm. a detrimental effect on this industry. And I have been affected by it myself. But um, the uh, a lot of these companies now are finding it very difficult to say, sustain themselves, given that the government has basically pulled the rug out saying, OK, you can become either a charity and provide free education or mm -hmm. you can change tact completely and no longer offer any of the STEM subjects as part of your course. So if you want to teach them woodworking or tap dancing or animal husbandry, but you can't teach maths, English and science. Um, and and it, it's caused uh, one of the largest education companies in China is known as New Oriental. Um, and mm. they their market value dropped by 88 uh, percent over the space of three days. Wow. And they have closed down some like 1300 centers. They've uh, let go 30,000 employees. And that's just one one of Jeez. the top ones, mind you. But that's just to give you some idea of, 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 of the way yeah. things can change. Yeah. One thing China um, doesn't do by half is um, introducing new policies that it's almost like a roadblock just shows up and says, whatever you were doing before, that ends now. Right. And um, well. which has led to some interesting developments in, you know, in Chinese uh, with the economy, with just the way China is able to, 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 to develop so quickly. It's it's it's. When you think about the China now, the so-called modern China, um, I mean, that officially began in 1976, but it's really only in the, since the late 90s that we're seeing the, the, the face of what is now China, the modern side of it, the skyscrapers, the super mm -hmm. high tech, the super rich, um, living in these fairly relatively small pockets when you consider the size, the vastness of China and the population distribution, mm -hmm. the, the very much haves occupy such a small percentage of the population and they live almost in their own bubble mm. um, compared to the rest of the country. It's not a question of the, the, the rich and the poor. It, it's almost like you're talking about decades in, in differences between people living in the rural areas to those living in the modern cities like Beijing and Shanghai and Guangzhou. Yeah, it's and, a, and then I suppose like I suppose then you're the when you're trying to market to them, uh, you have to mm -hmm. go maybe with a different angle. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, why I think I, a lot of these. I suppose that's what I was going to say to Philip. Yeah, I suppose your strategies come in there, uh, in a sense. Yeah, like a, like it'd be interesting to get your take, Richard. You know, when it comes to mm -hmm. marketing and social media, being mm -hmm. online, is there a sort of, you know, even say the companies that are in China or those businesses outside of China that are mm -hmm. able to, I suppose, to appeal to a Chinese audience, mm -hmm. is there is there like you've mentioned there. The, the appeal of, say, Apple, the brand, mm -hmm. what it stands mm -hmm. for, certain segments of Chinese population will sort of will choose Apple because it makes them look like 
they're in the know or they're of a certain mm. class or whatever it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, is there different? Is there different? I suppose generations on what engages the Chinese audience. You know, as in, you know, we've all heard about millennials and Generation Z, etc. Um, like. Is there certain segments of the Chinese population where it is all about the prestige, Harvard, Cambridge, Apple, mm. but then for other members of the Chinese society, they're embracing social, but it's more for other reasons, for staying in touch or for community, or is it all totally brand focused? Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. It's brand focused when the brands themselves are, you know, of a certain of a certain ilk, like if you're talking about Apple, for example, if you're talking about luxurious items, like say, um, you know, I mean, this is really going to show me up like, because I don't, I don't know that much about fashion, but mm. say uh, Gucci, for example, or Prada or Blueberry or, is that Blueberry mm-hmm. or Burberry? Blueberries Burberry. and Burberries. Well, blueberries <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a fruit and Burberries as, a, as I'll never afford one. Um, yeah. But that, but these are obviously the, the, I think in China, it, it's like they, they have their own culture in that, they, they obviously they represent wealth and they represent state status. But I think that this idea of wealth and status has changed quite a lot, certainly since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, just to have the name, even something as ordinary as Ford, for example, um, it's like, oh, it's a Ford. You know, it's not Chinese. It's an it's a internationally recognized brand. But over the last, I would say, even in the last five years, mm-hmm. and including Apple in this, you're seeing a shift towards domestic uh, brands and domestic items like Tesla, for example. Um, Tesla obviously is you know this huge uh, company, and it's gone beyond again like Apple. It's gone beyond what it actually is. It's a car company, but it's not. It's much, much more. It's almost like a glimpse into the future, and we're seeing the future now. You know, it's the equivalent of us getting a jetpack. Um, mm. But China has already started developing its own type, uh, you know, lithium batteries, for example, and its own. Uh, domestically produced electric cars and trucks and autonomous driving, you know, driverless cars. It has that technology now in a limited form, but it has it. And you're seeing more and more slick looking designs on the streets. Like when I was coming back today to my apartment, I, I several um, very fancy Tesla like Chinese produced electric cars Mm. Uh, and it's actually a showroom of one such a car. And um, I mean, it looks amazing. It's it's essentially a Tesla, but it's it's a Chinese one. So it's like half the so, price. So I was um, going to say, does that mean that the Chinese are trying to be more um, mindful and to buy local, as I say, um, and rather than international brands? So like, say, for example, mm. you are a, I don't know, cheese maker here in Ireland and you're trying to, um, mm. you know, get your product into the Chinese market, Mm. would the Chinese be more preference to buy cheese from a Chinese cheese Mm. maker? That's difficult to say, isn't it? Say that five times. Cheese from a Chinese maker. No, at least it wasn't cakes. It wasn't talking cakes. Um, But I'm just curious because that's what I'm thinking. Like anyone listening today Mm. will be going, well, I won't be creating the next Tesla to try and break the market. You know? Well, it, it it kind of goes back to the education question when I was mentioning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Oxford, Cambridge, uh, Harvard, yeah. etc. Um, it, it the, the identity of these places is not representative of what it actually is. Mm-hmm. It, as I said before, it represents this idea of mm-hmm. excellence. So mm-hmm. the idea of, say, for example, a locally 
a, a local producer, say of cheese or mm. um, or, or meats or, or whatever, providing yeah, yeah, yeah. or whiskey, whatever, um, um, would work in China for the very reason that it's not something that's readily available. And it's kind of, you have to work in a kind of almost like a kitsch factor and not to disrespect any of the brands in any way, but honestly, that's what would sell. The mm. idea that this is a locally produced, almost handcrafted bar of soap that costs 10 times more than the soap you get in a regular Chinese supermarket. However, it's different. It's got this story behind it. The branding is the story, or the story is the branding, I should say. And you do see products like this um, in, in many ways, like say in your local super value, where you would have a certain section of an aisle where it would say locally produced products. And yeah. there's something about that, I think, that really grabs the consumer because obviously you can get the, the mass produced version of this, exactly the same thing, but you know that and you've had that and you want to try something different. And it's the same way with consumers in China. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all people, you know? And mm. when you can sell or spin even a story, the backstory to this jam, mam's jam, you know, mama, the poor John. <laughs> you know, I could do voiceovers. And um, you know, mama's all the young. So if you can, if you can have that story with your product in China, it's a massive selling point. I mean, I've seen Irish products on the shelves in China. One of the biggest ones would probably be Kerrygold. Now, of course, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to have a group behind that. You know, it's a conglomerate, and it's not just you know, Mam's Jam, unfortunately. And, mm. um, you know, unless Mam is this, you know, faceless corporation with minions all over the world controlling Jam, and <laughs> um, you're not going to get that. But you, you do see more and more local products like Happy Pear, for example. I've seen that on shelves mm. here. Really? And Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, no, in limited form and in, mm. in certain types of supermarket like uh, bodegas and, and the equivalent of, of those kind of small in, that import uh, food and that would service the expat community uh, primarily. But you have obviously Chinese people going in there too, wanting to try something more. And of course, you know, as, as people become more wealthy, they're able to become more picky with what they want to try. And again, with the success of marketing, you know, one-to-one -one marketing almost on, on digital platforms, as I mentioned with Taobao and, and Tmall, and mm -hmm. um, you have that opportunity and that space to expose your potential customer to this story, this backstory of mm -hmm. where this whiskey came from. And you, what you find is that people who like a certain type of product will seek you out. And if they say, "Oh, that's something I, I didn't know," I didn't know Ireland was a thing before. And they also they make and then I, and then I was I was going to say, would they go on mm. to something like, uh, say, for example, WeChat? You were saying mm -hmm. earlier, and tell all their friends. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and that you were saying earlier is one of the main yeah. communication apps, you know, in China. Right. What can I ask you? Um, because yeah. my my daughter is actually doing Chinese. I think I mentioned right. it before. Right. And um, she was on about it, and. Uh, what would the if you were going to try and say spread the word through WeChat about your mm -hmm. Kerrygold butter or whatever it yeah. is? Are mm -hmm. there any advantages and disadvantages of it? Of it? Well, well, first of all, WeChat only works uh, via invitation. So your followers are people you would know either directly or indirectly, but you would have to approve them. So if you put oh. something on your social media post through WeChat, only mm -hmm. people who have you in their contact list would see it. So that's good and bad. It's good for security and safety. You know the people who are commenting. It's bad yeah. if you wanted to use that as a, as a way of exposing. So your you wouldn't do, you wouldn't use audience. you wouldn't use WeChat as a marketing tool then. 
Well, the other side of that in WeChat, there is uh, you have these in-app websites. So, for example, mm. you can follow the official account of XYZ and that way everyone can see it and that would get promoted. And of course, you would have paid promotion. You would have, mm. um, you know, representative social media starlets who would, who would uh, use your product in a, in a live broadcast. So you could have it. You could have influencers promoting for exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Influencers ah. who, who would do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, that that is the way most people would hear about a particular type of product because whilst, you know, traditional media, uh, print media is still a thing, mm-hmm. um, what's really getting the consumer to, to kind of, uh, you know, hit pay on, mm-hmm. on the app is seeing somebody they know using it and talking mm-hmm. about it. And, and also, as I say, it's just, such a prevalent part of the culture it's everywhere yeah. that it's it's um it's just something that when you see it um it's kind of like it, it works at a very different level i i suppose this is like it's basic basic marketing when you see the official ad for any product it's an ad it looks sounds and and feels like an ad mm. and i don't know about yourselves but i have this reaction when i see an ad is to quickly fast forward it or if it's on youtube try and you know, waiting for the three seconds before you can skip. But yeah. when you see an influencer with mm-hmm. the product, it's almost like, oh, this is what it actually looks like. And it still looks really good. You know, yeah. it doesn't have the glossy lights and the, and, the, and the panoramic, you know, cinematic shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the this is the thing. And then I'm going to try it now. I'll take a bite of this chocolate bar and go, oh, it's pretty good. It's like, uh, it's really chocolatey and it's really creamy and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's, I don't know if it's worth the, the price, but I, I, I like one it. chocolate, it says, Richards. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it, it works, in a, I think, on a more personal level. And also through the, because the, 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 the device you're looking at it is your phone. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that it's almost like your portal to the world. So anything that appears on it, although this you see, like it's just for you. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The same ah. way with radio, the same way with radio and podcasting. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and the ads on those, I mean, it's almost like an old timey type of advertising. We're back mm. in the day. If you hear uh, radio or TV ads from say the, the 50s and 60s, it's somebody, you know, Brennan's bread. When you need bread, make it Brennan's, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But, and, I think you need like, to come home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can take my not, job, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not yeah. try water? Drink <laughs> water. It's, it's good for you. Yeah. Um, like Have a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> we all go there. Yeah. Like, listen. Uh, like, this has been a fascinating chat, Richard. Oh. Really. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we were very grateful for taking time out because I think it's no something like nine or ten o'clock at night. Is it in China at this moment? Uh, it's all right. It's only eight o'clock at the moment. Oh, eight o'clock. Right. So, okay. It's, it's not too late yet. Well, we can make it 10, uh, though. If you, if it, if it, if you get more listeners. Well, it's 4 a.m. here in, in the Beijing. morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, one last question just to ask before yeah. we start to kind of trail towards the end. Um, sure. Like, LinkedIn entered China in 2014, you know, mm-hmm. after making that rare concession to abide by local censorship rules. But in mm-hmm. China, there is the alternative called My Mai. Can, can yes. you tell our listeners about that? And, you know, because uh, I certainly have never heard of this. So mm. uh, it would be interesting well, to understand it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, before today, I hadn't really heard about it either. But yeah. um, I did a little bit of research myself, and I asked a few of my Chinese friends about it. Uh, uh, one good friend of mine, she is currently looking for work, and I asked her, you know, what do you use to look for work? How do you get your name out there? And mm. um, I assumed she would also say LinkedIn, which is still available. 
mm-hmm. as of today's broadcast. Um, and she, yeah, she said LinkedIn, but then she said, but actually, if I really wanted to find the job, the most likely source would be through um, contacts, my personal contacts, people mm. who are in the industry that I'm working or looking to change a position in. Um, she did know about uh, my, my, which essentially is the Chinese LinkedIn. I mean, it looks mm. and operates almost identically in that. You, it's so a would, it be like, would it be like a networking opportunity that like you could, you know, do the, uh, you know, uh, my, my uh, mm-hmm. request, not a LinkedIn request, my, my request. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you can then start that conversation through private messaging, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it basically it has the, the, the basic functionality of LinkedIn in that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's to help people find jobs. And it's also to help, you know, uh, employers find you know, suitable, suitable staff. And, mm-hmm. um, but more so than that, because it utilizes the Chinese social network, the digital social network to mm-hmm. be able to gather together um, pools of talent. And also it allows the employee to be able to do background checks on the, on the, on the, um, on the company before they even apply right. for an interviewer Interesting. and then other ah. other basic functionality like you can do you can do remote interviews you can you can basically have like a social media account based very similar to the linkedin model where you can post articles about things you're interested in and 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 mm-hmm. changes in the industry mm-hmm. also you can do um um, other things like you can read about, you know, certain business models and find out about what's happening in the industry that you're currently in. Like, for example, for me, working in uh, education, digital education, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's big changes currently happening. So it's interesting to see through sites like MyMy and, um, you know, what do people in the industry that have real power, what are they thinking? What, where do they see the next five years and, you know, what do they see happening within the next five years? So it gives you a, a heads up, really, whether or not, I mean, maybe you're in the wrong industry. Maybe you should think about, you know, upskilling or perhaps even changing completely. So yes. in that respect, it's very good. And also, as I say, all of these come back to WeChat. WeChat seems to be the, the core for, for any business model in China. So if it goes through WeChat, then everybody can see it. And, you know, with, um, yeah. I think I had some crazy statistic of the actual number of WeChat users in China. It's, uh, let's see here. Yeah, so it's uh, 59% of the population are, are on WeChat. So that's 1.4 billion. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Gosh, Philip, is, imagine you could have that a, listenership to you. You your... just need to teach me to speak. Do these jokes in Chinese, Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so shadger, that's sandpaper, and gold, that's dog. So, and uh, woof woof is wang wang. So you, that's it, you're set. So, shadger. Say that again. Shadger. Shadger. Sh- I thought you were going to say it's tragic. Wang wang. <laughs> wang wang, there you go. Wang, so wang. basically you're saying wang wang is woof woof in, in, in Chinese. But don't ask I me why it. they changed woof woof to wang wang, but they did, and that's it. So wang wang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go. So there you go. There you dog. Go. 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 Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. and Emer is one mug. She's on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult trying to do this, you know, purely, you know, uh, linguistically. You know, I need to be there with you in front of you reading exactly. your lips, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put it down. Put it on the business account. You know, tell me, yeah. On the old expenses need... account. <laughs> I just need three good months to do some fact finding. <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard, all I could say is um, <laughs> this has not been Wong Wong. Um, it's been great, great. Um, oh, thank you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. I tell you, it's That's fascinating, awesome. you know, to because, yes, you're right. I suppose we over here in Ireland and I suppose Europe and the Western world, to a certain extent, we only mm-hmm. see 
what's going on in China through what we mm. read or whatever, mm. where you're mm. there living mm-hmm. and breathing the experience and, you mm-hmm. you know, people are getting on with things and are are very much brand centric and, you know, yeah. the economy is flourishing, you know, and uh, people are looking so forward. So we're ho- hope, as they say there. Exactly. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, Richard, because, you know, we're might have some people wanting to market to China. Would you have any last minute tips as in what platforms it should be on to leverage that, you know? Uh, yeah, um, well, I mean, read at the end of the day, it comes back to the two main ones, really. Uh, mm-hmm. Taobao would definitely be one I, I, w- I would invest time doing some research on. Just spending time looking at, you know, the different, first of all, the different products that are available, trying to find products within the same industry, obviously, to see, you know, h- how they're being advertised there. Um, and also the uh, Tmall, which is the, which is the kind of the more, I suppose, known brands platform mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it would be more like say large say uh, you know um if you want to buy a fridge or a microwave oven or a television set you probably like to buy it on the tmall uh, mm-hmm. website whereas mm-hmm. taobao is almost everything else so which is a big yeah. a big uh, net of things and um, i mean you know seeing how uh, for example other companies other known brand companies they operate using wechat with wechat accounts there's mm-hmm. the business version of of qq which is also a messenger ser- uh, service but more than that again that also encompasses uh, the facebook instagram model and um, i mean there there are, there's basically a, a chinese equivalent for every major digital platform um, right. in China. So you, if you have your Instagram, you would have in Chinese, again, WeChat and, and also mm. Twitch for live streaming to be the equivalent to that. And there's mm-hmm. another website called uh, Billy Billy, which is uh, which is more video based. And then would that be a uh, bit like, uh, say, TikTok or something? Would it? Well, well, I mean, obviously, TikTok is a Chinese company. So that's mm. that would be, you know, it would be TikTok. TikTok would be the TikTok of China. So oh, OK. No, no. I was yeah. wondering, did, like, do you know the way with all these kind of, you know, uh, rules mm. and guidelines, they might yes. be mm. more reserved with mm. TikTok as in TikTok? Yeah. And um, yeah. yes, of course, there are going to be certain restrictions mm. about okay. what you can say, what you can say. But mm. um, but TikTok is a very good example in terms of as a platform in China. I mean, it's so broad in terms of what you can see there. You could get mm-hmm. lost in it um, from the, the, the funny memes and the videos and yeah. you know, the heartwarming cats and dogs and that kind of thing. Um, but then you have the, commer- the the influencers using it as a platform to sell, mm-hmm. uh, like makeup tutorials as an example, or yeah. you know, ha- you know, you know, fixing your car if you've got a scratch on the car, like this guy is. So would would a, would a good angle be sorry to have and yeah. uh, get in touch with an influencer there and then they can be your voice? Yeah, so absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, yeah. there are okay. like market, there are marketing companies in China that deal exclusively with mm-hmm. uh, bringing in foreign brands and, and kind of localizing them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. by using the, 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 the accounts I've just mentioned. And, um, and then you, you'll notice though, that it, what's interesting to see is if you know the brand outside of China to see its Chinese version, if you like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very different picture. It's, it's, it's marketed really as a commodity, regardless of the status of the brand um, outside of China, with the rare exception of really luxurious items. Like, I mean, you know, Ferrari, for example, they're going to have a standard. They're going to keep wherever they go. And, and that is not going to change for China. But other things like um, IKEA, for, not to put IKEA up with Ferrari, but anyway, but IKEA as, a, as an idea, like it, it, it's seen as more of a, a convenience rather than any kind of status uh, awarded to it as being it's international. It's it's trendy. It's more. Mm-hmm. It's like China's own kind of thing. It's like their version of it. Or or Decathlon, for example, is another is another example of a of a well known um, brand 
that's been domesticated in, in, in China, where it's you would almost not recognize it the way it's been marketed in China because it's all marketed towards, uh, for example, uh, there's, a, there's a very large uh, elderly population in China. So a lot of the products in Decathlon are aimed and targeted at them. So they've got the time to go, you know, hill walking or climbing, whereas the mm-hmm. more kind of extreme sports are not really represented because it just it's not really a thing. Mm-hmm. There's not much of a, a call for equestrian equipment in Decathlon in, in China, but there is for, say, for, uh, for, for CrossFit and for training and for walking mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I mean, every different brand has its own, has its own way of being sold in China to feed the market. But it is interesting to see how when you'd see a product outside of China and then how it's marketed and it, it can be a very, there's a very big discrepancy and it's almost like two different things, but they can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm going to jump in there, Richard. And okay. We have now come to the end. Aww. This has been so enlightening, Richard. Thank you so much. Oh, you. Um, You're welcome. Is there very quickly is if someone wanted to connect with you or get in yeah. contact with you, where can they go? Uh, okay. Well, yeah, absolutely. If if uh, if you'd like to contact me, I suppose email might be easy or Facebook. Yeah. I yeah. can give you all the the links to that if you'd like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah, or LinkedIn, of course. Yeah, I yeah, say. Get, well, I, LinkedIn get, actually probably be easier that way. Yeah. 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 Um, check out. Uh, it's Richard Doran. That's LinkedIn. it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, well, yeah, I suppose all I can really just say is is thank you so much again, Richard, for for taking the time to be on. Let's get social. Um, okay. No problem. I have to say, yeah, and it was. It definitely shows that the online world is ever evolving. It mm-hmm. certain, certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, all I can say is to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again and the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course on the Dublin South of M website. So do download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And all that's left to say is I've been Philip Twyford. And I've been Emer Duffy. And thank you, Richard. And do come back again. Thank you very much. More to talk about. And uh, (laughs) as always, we'll see you again soon for more Let's Get Social. See you again. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.